This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of both World Ministries International and Eagles Saving Nations. Go to my website, worldministries.org, worldministries.org, and see what it's all about. One is apostolic prophetic, giving warning to the nations about what's about to happen before the return of Christ. The other, Eagle Saving Nations, we've got to have a great awakening. That's a national repentance. They're trying to topple the republic. It's a communist coup, and judgment will fall if there's not a repentance. Eagle Saving Nations, worldministries.org, join it now. We are critically short of time. The toppling of the republic, persecution is about here. We're in a chapel of World Ministries International. It's a live audience, the staff and their families. There are children. And I have a special guest, prophetic evangelist pastor, Paulette Williams. Paulette. Praise God. I'm going to share with you something that God put on my heart and something that I'm starting to focus towards. And that is the atmosphere. The atmosphere of change. Sometimes we're in an atmosphere that is not right for us. And it produces the wrong things in our lives. Just like the atmosphere of America and that republic and things that are going on is not right. The atmosphere for America has to change. America needs to turn back to her first love. And thereby, we're going to talk about the atmosphere change. If your atmosphere is not right, then you're not going to be right. Things are not going to go right for you. Things are going to be happening, and then you're wondering why. Which brings me to what's called a glass ceiling. You're looking up there, everything, blue skies is bright and sunny. The birds are chirping, the flowers and the wind and beautiful breeze. And you keep going and going and everything seems right. But you got a glass ceiling. So you're looking through and going, God, I don't get it. Why is my life turned upside down? Why are these things happening? Why am I not proceeding forward? Because you're trying to go for the height and there's a glass ceiling. Yes. And you keep bumping into it going, I don't understand. There needs to be an atmosphere change. There needs to be a breakthrough. You've got to break through that glass ceiling. So we're going to talk about how to break through and to have the right atmosphere. And I'm going to show you through this one time. A mind change has to take place. So the atmosphere has to have you have a different mindset and a different thing to have a breakthrough. The definition of insanity, doing the same old thing, expecting different results. And so you keep on hitting into the ceiling and you keep on hitting and you don't realize that that glass is there. And the devil has made it so that you're not going to move forward right. and you're not going to get there. But your heart says, but God, I need the answer. He says, I need you in a different environment, in a different mood and a different atmosphere. Sometimes we're in an atmosphere where we're around people <laughs> and we think the people are good for us. But maybe they do a lot of put down on you. Maybe they make a lot of jokes concerning you. Maybe they just say a lot of different things. But what you have to realize that you need a paradigm shift. So on your eye gate, maybe your mother said you're stupid. Maybe your dad said you'll never amount to anything. And all those things you look through stupid and you look through never amount to anything. 
and you need a paradigm shift. You need to shift that. You need some supernatural Windex. Get that off your eye gate. That's not the truth. You need to realize that God called you by the way he saw you. He knows your heart. He knows. Are you stupid? No. Are you unintelligent? No. You amount to nothing? No. I had a doctor that my first child, she had hit her head on the corner of the table, took her into emergency. And the doctor was standing. He said, you know, don't you let anybody tell you what your child is. He said, you ever realize that in elementary school, they dissect the children. Oh, this one is special ed. Oh, this one is this. Oh, that one is that. He said, you get to junior high, they don't dissect. You get to high school, they don't dissect. But they dissect your kids in elementary. He said, I was a straight F student all the way through from kindergarten to 12th grade. I could care less about learning. There was nothing of interest to me. I don't care. I'm not doing anything. So he said, they just kept passing me from grade to grade. And we were in emergency in the room, and he said, but who's the doctor in here? Right. <laughs> I said, you're the doctor. And he said, I got to college and found out about medical and being a doctor. He said, it struck chords in me. He said, I had straight A's, the stupid one. In every class, I was the top student the one that'll never mount to nothing because he's straight F through every class. He said, but who stands as the doctor? He said, they dissected me like crazy in elementary school. And I just let them have their diagnosis. F, F, F. But I'm the doctor. And he said, I did it because I finally got something I'm interested in. Everything else was boring to me. It was ridiculous to me. I didn't want to learn nothing of it. But on his eye gate, was written, you can't get anything better than an F. When he got to college, he had to race all that off of the eye gate and said, hmm, now I got what I want. So sometimes there needs to be a pentadom shift and you need to have a different way of thinking. You need to walk and get on track and on course to what God would have you to do. You need to stay focused and you need to have a spiritual eye set. See, I can look at a person and they say, don't judge a book by the cover. Don't do that. You have no clue who that person is. But if you wake up and you realize it's time to wake up, then you end up with an atmosphere change. Turn over to the book of 1 Kings 17. Now I'm going somewhere and I want you to come go with me. 1 Kings chapter 17, because we can be what people say we are. We can even be what we say we are, and we may not have a good opinion of ourselves. Yes, God has a better opinion. God is all-knowing. God knows what he's looking at. 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to go to verse 8. And it reads, The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, and get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there, Behold, I have commanded a widow woman. I, God Almighty, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. The word of the Lord. There is a widow that's going to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. This is the widow woman. 
by order of the Lord. If the Bible says declare a thing that shall be established, you're created in the image and the likeness of God. Then what your words say, which is life and death and the power of your tongue, then you have to understand that when God declared that, it was the truth. You have to understand that when he said that there's a widow that will sustain thee, God is not a man he should lie. What has he said to you? What has he said he's going to do concerning you? Then let it be what he said. Because Elijah, as powerful as Elijah is, he only says, thus saith the Lord. That's what made him powerful. He was close to God. He was close to have a hearing heart and an understanding mind towards God. So when there needs to be an atmosphere shift, let's read on. As he arose, the woman was gathering the sticks. He called her, said, give me the water. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray, I pray thee a morsel of bread in thy hands. Again, the word of the Lord comes forth. God is not a man he should lie. Has he not said it? Will he not perform it? He said, I want bread in thy hand. Bring it to me. Bring me the water, but bring me the bread. So verse 13, and she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have no cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil of crude. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in dress for me and my son that we may eat and die. What is her atmosphere? Her atmosphere is death. Eat and die. You're on death row. We'll give you your last meal just before we inject you, just before we electrocute you, let alone hang you. We're just going to eat and die. That's her atmosphere. She thinks death. She thinks, oh, we're just going to die. But see, in verse 10, it's obedience that is the key. In verse 10, she arose and the widow woman is there. He says, give me water. She actually goes to do it. She doesn't even know him. But she goes to get him the water. Verse 11, and this is where obedience is better than sacrifice. Verse 11, he says, now also bring me the bread. She would have to actually sacrifice herself and her son to bring him the bread. But obedience is better than sacrifice. So she turns and she tells him that her need for an atmosphere change is that she's hopeless. Her need for an atmosphere change is that people perish for lack of knowledge. Her atmosphere has to change. And God, what is man that you're mindful of him? How mindful is God of you? He's very mindful of you. He knew you before you were yet in your mother's womb, yes. before the foundations of the world. He's done everything. He has written out an entire scroll concerning you that is in heaven. How do I know that? Because I've seen my scroll. But he's a wise God. <laughs> One time I didn't want to do something he was asking me to do. And I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, I'll help them start the church. He's like, join them. God, I'm already at another church. <laughs> I will help them start their church. He said, join them and then become a member. I said, you want me a member of two churches? <laughs> and so I was hee-hawing with him about it. He took out the scroll. Where what I've already done, he just blurred it. Where I'm going, he blurred it. And then he made me read the three sentences 
where he opened the scroll to allow me and she joined them. And the pastors had asked me, because they were just starting, pray to God and found out the name of the church. I said, I'm going to pray to God and Pastor Kevin. He will tell you the name of the church. <laughs> that will be my prayer. I don't need to tell you the name of your church. I got my own call. He will tell you. So he showed me. She joined it. And they did the church. And the name of the church was International Missions Training Center. So I went back because she was a friend of mine, a pastor. And they had just gotten ordained. And I said, well, I'll tell you because your husband's at work. But when he gets home, he'll know the, the name of the church. So I told her what God told me. He came home because I'm still at her house. And he's a plumber. And he came home. And he said, the name of the church is International Missions Training Center. And I said, did you? tell him. She goes, no. She said, I never spoke to him since you told me. And I said, fine, because I believe you're the point. <laughs> you're the head. <laughs> you need God to tell you that. But God had shown me the scroll and then he showed me the name and they had asked me, tell us the name of the church. So it was a confirmation because I had already a couple hours told her and he walked in the door and he says, I got the name of the church. And that was the name. But I was hee-hawing with God. And she said, you know, Paulette, every time God does something with you, he pulls out the scroll. You're the one that's always seen the scroll. There's a scroll in heaven that is already written concerning you. So what you're doing is nothing new to God. He already wrote it. So he had to show me that. And I joined that church. I said, God, I don't know how you do two churches. <laughs> and he still required me to do the church I was at. And still required me to do the church with them to help them because I was cross-trained at the church I was at so I could help them start their church. And I could do that. And he was like, it's already written of you. Just do it. <laughs> so I did it. But this is a lady, a widow woman that has to do the commandment of the Lord for her own good because she's thinking death. She's thinking deadly things. Sometimes life and death is in the power of the tongue. We're saying things producing death things around us, not good things. Sometimes we say good things. Sometimes we don't. But this widow woman was commanded to sustain the prophet, Elijah. And Elijah knows it. So he knows every time he gives her a command, she will do it. Because God had already set him up for it. So he sets you up to win. Not to lose. He sets you up to win. And so on verse 13, and it reads, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, and make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and thy son. What I love about this is that Elijah never takes her out of her vision never takes her out of her call and everything that she's doing. He keeps saying, go and do what you said, but do this in obedience first to me first, then you and your son. And he's trying to get her to see a different paradigm shift because he said, okay, you want to make a cake for you and your son and then die. And God is saying, I didn't call her to die. I called her because she's my sheep. My sheep know my voice. I called her to myself. And so he says to her, I think it's interesting for him to say, go and do what you said. 
Because what she said also includes death. But he said, first, do this, because obedience is better than sacrifice of you and your son dying. Do this for me first, because God had already spoken it. God said it, and he's not a man he should lie. Elijah has to be sustained. The widow woman has to take care of him. But he's trying to show her a vision of who God is in her. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in this world. If God be for you, who could be against you? God is for you, widow. But do what you said that you were going to do. But first do this. Obedience was the key. And thereby she ended up in an atmosphere change. Now turn over to Proverbs 29, 18. We're going to hop in a few different directions. But turn over to Proverbs chapter 29. And we're going to look at verse 18. Wherefore, where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. In the NIV, I like it where it says at the very end of it, that he who listens to wisdom's instructions. Because happy is he, if you're going to keep the law, if you're going to keep what God says, it'll cause you to be happy. But when it says, listen to wisdom's instructions, she had to listen to the wisdom of Elijah in order to get an atmosphere change, in order to get her miracle where one little bit of handful of meal and a little bit of oil, which is probably olive oil, they're in a drought because of Elijah who took away the rain. <laughs> Thereby, you're not gonna get the products you normally get so she's down to a little bit of nothing but God. So he tells her, get a vision that we're about to change this atmosphere for you. And so it says where there's no vision, the people perish. In the NIV, then make for yourself and your son. But it said, listen to wisdom's instruction. Listen to God's wisdom when he instructs you. Because God is all-knowing. He's eternal. There's nothing he doesn't know. There's nothing that catches him off guard. There's nothing that you can do that makes him think, oh, I didn't know she would do that. I didn't know she would choose that. He already knows what your heart and he already knows what your choosing is. But it said, listen and heed wisdom's instruction. Verse 14. Let's turn back over to 1 Kings 17. That's our primary scripture. And we're going to go over to verse 14. See, what God put on my heart is that some of you need an atmosphere change. Some of you are stagnant. Even at the sound of my voice, if you're stagnant, circumstance, situations, have you so tied up? Have you so backed up against the wall? Have you in an area that you know you don't need to be in? You need an atmosphere change. Start with obedience. Start with listening to God. Start with what is God speaking to me? No matter how you do it, no matter how it comes to you, listen, but then obey it because he already knows. Like I'm hee-hawing about, I'll help them with start their church, but I'm not joining it. and I'm not becoming a member. I'm not going to do two church. He's like, yeah, Paulette, read. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's written. And Jesus was good at it is written. It was written. So looking at verse 14, 1 Kings 17, 14, 
For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the crude of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth because everything dried up. So her only thought and the only thing written on her eye gate was just make this cake, then die, just die. That's all we've got. We have nothing else. That's all that's in the house. We just die. No, God had a better idea than that. Keep your hand there, but turn over to Matthew 4.4. I want you to see that God is greater than what we think. God is greater than what we feel. We go by our feelings, our emotions, our logics, a lot of stuff we go by, but we need to go by what God says. My husband and I were at the VA and we met with a doctor. And the doctor, we were sitting there discussing something that he may have to go through. And somehow it came back and shifted to me. My husband said, well, she has kidney failure. And he went and he looked at me and he said, no, you don't. I said, yes, I do. I said, I have 3% kidney function. And he just stares at me and he's looking at me and he's like, no, you do not. And I said, I'm on dialysis. Yes, I do. And he didn't believe it. He didn't believe what he was looking at. But all doctors are that way that I run into. Eye doctors, all of them. Nurses. They tell me, no, it's not. It's not that way. But my atmosphere that God put me under when I got it, he said, I've given you supernatural kidney function. I said, okay. And so when I hee-haw with him about it, which I did, <laughs> 2018, I did, <laughs> in 2022, and he's like, not now, be still. And I'm like, I believed for a heart. It took me three weeks. I told you I don't want to refurbish heart. Yeah, you can fix it. You're God. You'll do a better job. I want a new one. You got body parts. Give me a new heart. I got a new heart. He said, don't do to this one what you did to the last one. I said, okay, I'll treat this one better. I had to do Synthroid for thyroid. Three years. I said, God, I'm not taking medication. I'm done. One week, and the church was fasting for one week, I put on there, no more thyroid problems. Done. Amen. I said, okay, I got a new heart in three weeks. I got a thyroid in one week. Why are we doing years on the kidneys? <laughs> Can't we just... Boom, boom, because you got body parts, because people go to heaven and they see that room, which you've never showed me, but you got body parts to send me the kidneys. It'd be my DNA. <laughs> and he just puts me down, and I finally said, okay, wait a minute, he's eternal. He knows everything. Right. So there's somewhere in this road of life I'm going to travel that he knows there's a proper time when he'll deal with it. That's right. And so I finally settled down and I said, oh, so it's what you're doing. It's what you know. And I stopped because every couple of years I hee-haw with them about it. Like, come on, we did everything. We're like, boom, boom, boom. Come on. You're the healer. You're the creator. You just put it in. <laughs> and he's not doing it. He said, what did I say to you? I said, you said that you've given me supernatural kidney function. And then it's almost like, now shut up, be still, and wait. And I'm like, okay, but I finally realized there's something he knows. There's something in the path of this life I live 
And there's a reason why he's not doing it now. And I've seen him just give me what I want. Just, God, let's do this. And he does it. I've seen him do it. And, you know, with a heart, you'd be holding your breath. <laughs> like, okay, okay, don't turn over, don't turn over. And you hold your breath thinking you can stop that heart from going into a stroke or a heart attack. And I was to the point I couldn't. I had been wrestling with it for months and months. And I finally said, don't fix it. Give me a new one. And he told me. When I got up, Dr. Krishna Foos just said, give her what she wants. And I went down going, a new heart. (laughs) And he pinned me so long under the anointing. The Holy Spirit wouldn't let me up. And then when he did start to let me up, he said, don't do to this one what you did to the last one. So I said, okay. I told a friend, you got the new heart. I said, I got it. So I didn't understand that we've got all these problems going on back here. Nobody believes that I have it in the medical field. They're like, do you know what it looks like? Yeah, 3% looks like me. They go, no, it doesn't look like you. It doesn't even (laughs) act like you. They go, no. And I finally saw what 3% was. And they're right. It doesn't look like me. It doesn't look like me. I'm not bloated up and not full of sores. I can feed myself. I can dress myself, bathe myself. People that get that, I mean, they can get into a huge mess. And their world is bedridden. They're right. I don't look like I have it. I don't function like I have it. But I function as he commanded. You have supernatural kidney function. So you're going to function normal. Let's get back to what we were talking about, and that is Matthew 4.4. 4. Now remember, I love this scripture because it parallels with this widow woman. And he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. The widow woman was living by bread, we're going to eat it, die. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, go and get me some water. Go and make a cake and bring it to me first. Then you make a cake for you and your son. You don't live by the bread alone. And she was living by the bread alone. What's in your life that you're living by that physical substance or situation or whatever it may be? And God is like, don't live it like that. God once told me when I was a kid, I was probably about eight. He did so much stuff. And I really do believe the scripture. He tells you the end from the beginning. He told me this. He said, never live a life of if only. If only I hadn't done it. If only I hadn't gone there. If only this. If only that. And don't live a life of why. Why did it happen to me? Why did that take place? Why? 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 We thank you for joining the radio program, Warning with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, and his special guest speaker, evangelist, pastor, Paulette Williams. Tomorrow we will conclude this message titled, Atmosphere for Change. We ask that you visit our website, worldministries.org, worldministries.org. Sign up for Eagle Saving Nations, or give us a donation by clicking on the Donate button. We are an entirely viewer and listener-supported ministry. Telephone number 360-629-5248, 360-629-5248. We thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you. Shalom.